0: It's that we're in the midst of the creation of a new kind of global spiritual culture. More and more people are connecting to source through meditation, yoga, plants, psychedelics. More people are encountering ceremonial practices or healing modalities that shift their awareness of what it means to be human. Of course, you might come across a lineage that speaks to your core and commit to it. It could be Tibetan Buddhism or Amazonian shamanism. And that's all you need. But most of us are weaving together our own personalized connection to Source from many threads, while at the same time recognizing a common ground that undergirds all of these approaches to the spiritual aspect of existence. It's a post-Guru moment. We are each each other's teachers. That's the idea behind our new learning community, Evolver Awakening. It's a website with video classes featuring Evolver's best teachers, like Alberto Vialdo, Ellen Goldberg, Itzhak Beery, Mitch Horowitz, Hank Wesselman, and many others. It's also a community platform for you to connect with others on the path. Nothing quite like this has ever been attempted before. A global community of seekers from many backgrounds sharing and discovering a variety of traditions and practices. It's an exciting adventure, and you're invited to come along. Check it out at evolverawakening.com. I look forward to seeing you there. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the Evolver, sponsored by The Alchemist Kitchen, hosted by Ken Jordan. Those of us who walk the consciousness path will say things like, everything is energy, or we're all interconnected. And there are moments during meditation practice or at the ayahuasca circle when that truth will hit and resonate. But a few days later, that realization can fade. That immediate, visceral knowing becomes more memory than certainty. And as we return to our familiar patterns, while the way we see the world might have shifted a degree, we find ourselves experiencing a material reality that is largely the same as the one we thought we were leaving behind. This is particularly true when it comes to our bodies. What else is as primal as our relationship to our own health? We know when we feel good, and what we have to do to make ourselves feel good. If you've been raised in the West, all your life you've had certain ideas ingrained in you about what gets your body to be at a high level of performance. The notions that everything is energy and we're all interconnected don't play much of a role here. But that may be changing, as more people are becoming more sensitive to the currents of the invisible and the ways that what we don't see shift our understanding of the things we do. Spiritual practices can refocus our awareness to aspects of the spectrum that you hadn't even realized were there. My guest today, Dr. Linda Lancaster, has been developing a practical medical modality that is based on fundamental spiritual truths. From Linda's perspective, that everything is energy has direct implications for our own health. The ways that we're all interconnected affects how illness manifests. She lays out her approach to wellness in a new book, Harmonic Healing, Restore Your Vital Force for Lifelong Wellness. Her program addresses the toxic pollution that we're subjected to around the clock and offers clear and doable practices for cleansing your system of the chemicals, heavy metals, radiation, and parasites that weaken your defenses, slow you down and open you to disease but linda goes further integrating a rare spiritual insight with lab based western medicine techniques and she's come up with some fascinating innovations that point towards the medicine of the future this is a powerful thought-provoking conversation about the territory where western medicine and eastern metaphysics converge it's a landscape that many more people are being drawn to by the day Dr. Linda Lancaster is a board-certified naturopath physician and homeopath. She's been in practice since 1981 and founded Light Harmonics Institute, an energy medicine clinic and educational center based in Santa Fe, New Mexico. Her training includes classical homeopathy, radionics, medical radiesthesia, subtle energy healing, nutrition, herbal medicine, Ayurveda, and detoxification methods. She's treated more than 10,000 patients in over 30 years of practice. Dr. Lancaster was Yogi Bhajan's personal physician and remained by his side until his passing. He honored her with the Conscious Healer and Humanitarian Award in 2002. As our understanding of what it means to be human undergoes an upgrade, the consequences for our approach to physical health will necessarily be transformed. Where will that lead us? The map is only starting to be drawn, but I guarantee it's going to look a lot different than what you used to see on House MD. Everyone seems to be talking about CBD these days, that is, cannabidiol, the non-psychoactive component of cannabis. The buzz is that CBD doesn't make you high, like THC does, but for conditions such as stress and anxiety, health professionals are increasingly recommending it as an alternative to pharmaceuticals. And scientific research is showing that CBD is highly anti-inflammatory, so it can help with pain relief. What does the scientific research say about CBD? Research centers in the United States and elsewhere are studying the effects of CBD on a variety of ailments. Scientists refer to CBD as a promiscuous compound because it offers therapeutic benefits in many different ways while tapping into how we function physiologically and biologically on a deep level. Extensive preclinical research and some clinical studies have shown that CBD has strong antioxidant, anti-inflammatory, antidepressant, antipsychotic, and neuroprotective qualities. What's the best way to take CBD? CBD CBD-rich cannabis oil products can be taken sublingually, orally, as edibles, lozenges, beverages, tinctures, and gel caps, or applied topically. Concentrated cannabis oil extracts can also be heated and inhaled with a vape pen. Inhalation is good for treating acute symptoms that require immediate attention. The effects can be felt within a minute or two and typically last for a couple of hours. The effects of orally administered CBD-rich cannabis oil can last for four hours or more, but the onset of effects is much slower, like 30 to 90 minutes, than inhalation. Evolver is the proud papa of the Alchemist Kitchen, a botanical dispensary located in the Bowery District of New York where you can find the finest quality CBD products available without THC. We also make our own premium CBD under the Plant Alchemy label. Our producer Jose's mom uses it for stress, anxiety, and high blood pressure. Our plants are grown in both field and greenhouse environments cultivated using living soil organic principles, leveraging strictly organic inputs, and in full compliance with the controls defined by the Colorado Department of Agriculture. Our plants are some of the highest CBD cannabis varieties currently known. You can find out more about CBD by visiting the Alchemist Kitchen website at thealchemistskitchen.com. There's an S in there. And searching for CBD. There are articles on the blog, an FAQ, and a selection of vetted products or stop by our spot at 21 East 1st Street in Manhattan between Bowery and 2nd Avenue and talk to one of our staff herbalists. At the shop, tell them you listen to the Evolver podcast and receive a 10% discount on any product on the shelves. Linda, how would you describe what you do as a doctor (laughs) as different than what other doctors as people know them might do
1: I evaluate the energy field I evaluate the electromagnetic energy of our vital force or what I call the etheric body so nothing happens in the physical until it happens in the pre-physical
0: what do you mean by pre-physical like what is that etheric body
1: Okay. We have our body of organs and hands and bones and blood. However-
0: Which is what most doctors focus on. Yes.
1: It's a very physical examination. Now, if we come to it uh, from the place of understanding that the etheric body is actually the life force that makes that physical body
0: alive, and this is what we would say it, it, in the Indian traditions is prana, or in Chinese medicine would be chi. I mean, we're talking about that kind of energetic, of course, aspect, yes. right? Yes,
1: and but we're looking at it more from well, my training is a combination of anthroposophical, Ayurvedic, and yogic. So, yes, it's the prana, and it's also this life force that integrates. In fact, the etheric body is threads of light that's intertwined into our physical body. Without that ether or etheric field, we are not alive. When we leave, we, we go with our etheric body, but our physical makeup stays it's imbibed with this energy. And physicists and scientists are trying to find uh, words to describe it and to understand it. And it's um, it's a, a bit mind-boggling because unless we understand where ether comes from and acknowledge that there is a higher force and there is a cosmos that is our connection is our etheric body to the cosmos
0: so would a scientist say be looking for that kind of energetic substrate in the cellular level in the in in, in the electromagnetic force of the field of your body i mean is there are there ways of measuring it with an instrument
1: yes i mean you can see it on kilian Kirlian photography. You can also, uh, with uh, certain kinds of bio field um, uh, measurements, they can read the energy of the cells because every cell in our body are like little batteries, positive and negative flow. And that positive and negative flow creates the cell's integrity. So the balance of this positive and negative makes us healthy. If we go not enough magnetism or too much electricity, in the case of too much Wi-Fi and electrical currents, we will get affected. Our cells will be rotating too fast or aggravating. Or if we're exposed to heavy metals or chemicals, it will go more towards this low a magnetic field, so we lose the electricity, or we lose the energy of the cells.
0: So this can be measured. Could I take? Is there a device? Did there I, could are you, devices. I go, oh, okay, where's My arm. Put it on my arm. I'm like, whoa, uh, I'm a low here. I'm a little off balance.
1: Well, the physicists can have those kinds of devices, but you can feel it with your hands. Oh yeah. You can feel the energy field if you put your two hands together and then you slowly slowly move them apart and feel
0: well yeah there's this there is something there yeah, yeah yeah
1: and you could go and feel how strong your field is between your palms of your hands right that's energy
0: so how do you And learn that's how
1: to... the thi- the chi the ball and the you know right. this in, is the energy in
0: tai chi you can you, you create these energetic balls spheres. these chi spheres yes. In, between your palms in this way is a kind of an exercise but to learn. But you can
1: go it. like that yeah. on your on your your body. You can feel it. Mm-hmm. We have an etheric body, and that etheric body is ether. Ether is the primordial sound. Ether is
0: in all space. We were talking about this before. You know, part of the power of the work that you're doing is developing a vocabulary to describe this energetic perspective in a 21st century language that reflects on the one hand our more scientific worldview in the way that we live in the world today, but that also is cognizant of these ancient lineages, these traditions, these traditional ways of addressing the energetic health of the body or of the environment, I would imagine as well, and of the, you know, of the, of the um It's a shift in perspective, right? It's
1: a flow of energy that we're looking at Mm -hmm. that creates this body. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a flow of energy from our cells, our electromagnetic field. The earth has an electromagnetic field. We have an electromagnetic field. We are nature. So is the earth. When we are interfered with by man-made radiation and man-made chemicals, this interferes with our energy flow. These things interfere with our energy flow. And that's what we're looking at, uh, at least I've been looking at for almost 40 years, um, about how these interferences, which are mostly unseen, are affecting us. We are affected by chemical reactions, or a a disruption in the electromagnetic field, whether it be wireless radiation or negative thoughts.
0: Negative thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, that's radiations. You know, when we say, as we're speaking now, our voice has electromagnetic energy because there's a life force in it.
0: But if I have a thought and I don't share
1: it? It's okay. You have intention. It'll get there.
0: It comes out. <laughs> yes, you can pick so, it up. So
1: make them a good intentions, <laughs> so we can um, be part of um, this uh, light energy that we are aware of. You know,
0: it, we talk about etheric uh, body. We talk about the etheric body. I, you, I was just going to say the word itself. What inspired you to use that word? to describe this?
1: Well, that's part of radionic language. You know, the radionics has always treated the etheric body.
0: So you have to tell me what radionics is.
1: Oh, gosh. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's the analysis and treatment from a distance. By who? By the person who is sending the treatment. Okay. It's by intention. With intention, just like prayer. Prayer is intention. The person gets it. Because of your own intention, God. so radionics therapy is very, very well known. More so in England than it is in America. Only for many reasons, uh, we we should do just a show on radionics because it's fascinating. But uh, when we look at the uh, etheric body or the energy body, we're treating energy. We're analyzing energy because, as I said before, nothing happens. In the physical, until it happens in the um, etheric.
0: And so you can, when somebody comes into your office, mm. a patient mm-hmm. with a condition. Yes. How do you read the etheric body? What are you doing? <laughs> okay. First of
1: all, I can um, kind of defocus and see the field. But besides that, I can take a um, pulse reading so with the pulse reading is really an energy reading whether it's chinese pulse or ayurvedic pulse we're reading the energy field it's not just taking the pulse of the heart beating you're actually getting the flow between the points you know in our, in a, an ayurvedic pulse we're reading the air the fire and the water with our three fingers but that flow is indicative of how the ether flows through because the ether is your first of the five elements that feeds the other
0: elements. So you're essentially trained to, take, to notice something in the pulse that the nurse at the local hospital here may not be paying close attention to when he or she takes a pulse of somebody Correct. in bed. Correct. But, you know,
1: um, I'm known for medical radiesthesia, and it's, of course, in my book about medical radiesthesia. And reading radiations, I read radiations from a blood sample, dry blood sample, in a closed field. And I read the energy field coming off that blood sample from a distance. Now, what that means, we have to go a little far out here for some people. And for some other people will say, oh, that makes sense. It's always made sense to me. But the blood sample, as long as you are alive, has an energy field. No matter where you are on the planet, I can connect to that energy field and find out, is that the flu? Or do you have food poisoning? So, I can, so it's a crystalline structure of you through a spot of blood that's dried. And that connection we can measure and we can contact that energy field because we are one on the planet as part of the planetary
0: information. What you've been putting together. As a practice, which you describe in your book. Yes. Is essentially weaving together these more esoteric spiritual ways of understanding our interconnection of all the interconnection of all things and how we're all essentially part of the same flow or field on some level. While at the same time bringing instruments like blood samples
1: and a pendulum.
0: And a pendulum. You do the you use the pendulum on the blood sample, and maybe I mean, yeah, want to parse that a little bit?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, my training is in medicine and all holistic medicine and herbs and homeopathy. As you know, I've been a homeopath for forty years. Um, I use a pendulum because the pendulum has three movements: positive, negative, neutral. Now, when we hold the pendulum over the blood spot in a closed circle, which is a field, we can read the electromagnetic energy coming off the blood sample. If that person is no longer with us, no movement on the pendulum. Are you serious? I am. That's crazy. That, I mean, that's interesting. Because we're not asking questions. No. We're picking up the frequency.
0: So I got to ask. I mean, I just have to ask. So does that mean that you had the blood sample of someone who had passed? Yes. And you were holding the pendulum over and nothing happened. Nothing happened. And you didn't know this before, Like we say in Brooklyn, nothing. 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 <laughs> and then you called and you went, "I, what's up with my pendulum? And they went, I'm afraid that so-and-so passed last night. I mean, like- how did that happen for you? How did you first have that encounter?
1: My first encounter was a mother called me. Her son was hiking and he didn't come back. Oh, wow. And I, they, because I can find the person too on a map. Mm-hmm. But there was no reading.
0: When you had the blood sample.
1: Yes, yes, patient. He oh. fell off the mountain. while he was hiking. That was the most profound experience that I've ever had.
0: And that must have opened up an interesting door for you into something. Well, I always
1: knew that to be true, because if we're really reading the etheric energy, and etheric energy is the life force in the blood. Why the blood? Because the blood has the strongest potential for ether,
0: what does that mean, potential for
1: ether? I mean, it, it has the most strongest field of ether in the blood. You know, that's why the blood is so sacred in all the all traditions, because that is where the
0: powerful etheric force is. So, I mean, so when, when you use the word ether, I have to say, I keep flipping back to, oh, prana or chi, like, so I can have a context that's more familiar for me. Yes. Uh, that's just so interesting that, in fact, there's... An energetic pulse, yes, to the blood that I'd is say beyond energe-
1: energetic frequency. Frequency that is electromagnetic. That is positive, negative, and these cells are actually emanate this emanating this energy.
0: And so that's something you can actually measure in a lab.
1: Yes, but then we have the astral body, which is another energy field where our emotions are astral, connected to the stars. When we go to sleep at night, we go into the astral field if we're lucky. <laughs> yeah. If we can get to sleep with these days. And then we have a mental field which is a lot of the mindfulness that we're talking about. And that mental field can project. So we have a mental, emotional, physical, etheric body. And this is all connected through the ether through the in the cosmos. Our etheric body comes in through our chakras. The subtle part of our endocrine system is the chakras. And that's how energy flows with the flow of the, of the uh, chakras to the endocrine glands, which are our spark plugs telling our body what to do. So unless we look at, and that's what my hope is for this book, is unless we look at the subtle parts of us, We're just not going to get there because things happen on the mental field, things happen on the emotional field, and we are being bombarded by pollution on the etheric field
0: affecting our physical body. The pollution on the etheric field. Yes. Right? Which is to say? In our air. But
1: ether is in air. Ether is in all the elements.
0: When you're saying a pollution, that's not just an energetic pollution, that's a physical pollution. There's an energy, or a, you know, this is something that's electromagnetic waves in the atmosphere that are affecting us in a certain way, or certain poisons, toxics, heavy metals, in the, you know, in, yes. in the food that we eat, or in, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. in the materials. Air that, that we, we breathe. The air that we breathe, the materials mm-hmm. that we put, our, you know, around our body. We know in a much more traditional Traditional, maybe not the right word. Say, twentieth-century medical paradigm um, that certain toxic things can effectively make you sick and give you cancer or whatever it might be, if they interact with you in a certain way, that they have that they have a direct physical consequence. What you're suggesting is something on top of that. Yes. Okay. Can you explain that to me a little bit better? More mm. for me. <laughs>
1: Yes, there are physical things in our air. However, it is the disturbance first in our electromagnetic field that we, are, that we experience it. We experience it first energetically. You know, you walk into a, um, into a store with um, fluorescent lights, you can feel it right away because it's disturbing our electromagnetic field. And we suddenly get tired because our adrenal glands, or the base chakra, uh, which is this will for physical life, this will for survival, the adrenals are there. I go, wait, this is not normal. What's this fluorescent stuff? And then the adrenals go down. They kind of get exhausted, and then we get tired. And we're exposed on so many levels. However, I don't like to be a um, person who just says, ah, we live in a polluted world, what are we going to do, hide in a, in a box? No, it's also a challenge that we're aware of, and we're going to deal with it by strengthening our electromagnetic field and so that we can be strong enough to learn how to live in this new environment. But the best part is at this very same time, there is a growth for spiritual work more than I've seen in my years since I was a yogi at 20 years
0: old. <laughs> oh, there's something definitely going on now. There's like yeah. people are picking, and many people come to it because they have a physical issue that they need to address.
1: Healing is actually, or I believe, healing should be simple. You be aware of your environment. Okay, you change your environment, and get those cells balanced then there's no place for those low frequencies that create illness.
0: Well, so when you say change your environment, Mm -hmm. you mean move? Or do you mean (laughs) changing your practices?
1: Yeah. Well, change the environment at a cellular level means clear pollution, heavy metals, chemicals, radiation.
0: Out of your body or? Yeah.
1: Neutralize it. Okay. We do that with, as you know, with the baths. We use baths to neutralize it. Strengthen your electromagnetic field with good food. When I say good food, it doesn't matter if it's vegan, vegetarian, paleo. That's not important to me. What's important to me is that the food is organic and we eat lots of vegetables because the strongest electromagnetic field is in our vegetables. So, if the vegetables are grown or the fruits or the plant food is grown in good organic soil, it's going to be rich with minerals. Minerals is where we get our electromagnetic energy because minerals have an electrical frequency. That's, that's food. That's the food that we should be nourishing. Nature heals nature. Mother Nature gave us everything that we need.
0: So you can fortify yourself, essentially. Strengthen through, your strengthen field. Your field through the foods that you eat.
1: Yes. The and bad. the awareness of the foods we eat by blessing it and saying thank you.
0: Let me just play devil's advocate for a okay. moment. Why would that make any difference? The, the prayerful part. Because we are
1: blessing foods that's rich with electromagnetic energy. And you say, where did this food come from? came from our earth and it came from the cosmos because those are the etheric forces that have come down to keep us connected to where we came from. So when you do that further acknowledgement, it becomes even more imbibed with energy. Our voice of blessing the food, our acknowledgement that we are not just physical, And that we're using that we will take this energy from the food and carry it forth to do the energy and work that we're here to
0: do. So your intention in how you relate to the food that you eat will actually make a difference. In the energetic level of that food,
1: yeah. What I've noticed is, if I bless, when I go out to a restaurant, maybe they're not all organic, but I'll bless my food. I'm not going to bring it up to the level of electromagnetically full potential of healing food, but I am going to bless it so that it's not harmful.
0: So, I mean, I just got to ask: Is there any way to measure that? Like, can, well, can, there is. I mean, do uh, you do that? Ra- Have you done the, that? I do it all the time. And I measure can, food. And before and after blessing? Oh, yes. And you can tell the difference? Yes. Oh, my God.
1: But, you know, the medical radiesthesia, the way I teach it, my whole class can measure it, and we all get the same answers. When we measure aluminum, aluminum has one number, and it's (gasps) always that number. If that food has been wrapped in aluminum, it's going to be at the same number. And every single student, whether I have 50 students or 10 students in my classes, they're going to come up with the same number.
0: But after it's blessed, does the number go down? You can't.
1: No. Wait, after it's blessed, it goes up to a kind of a normal frequency. It's not going to enhance, but at least it's not going to cause harm.
0: So it helps to neutralize some of the harm.
1: Yes. Yeah. That's fascinating. We are God, aren't we? We are God within. So let's use it. Here's another thing. You know, I I, I keep for some reason. I'm thinking of this Leonard Cohen song. He says, if you don't pray for the angels, they will not pray for you. It's a great line. So we are all connected. We are not only connected on the earth plane, but we are connected in the cosmos.
0: What I love about what you do is that you take these more abstract concepts that people can relate to on an emotional level. Yes. But you're bringing it into a physical manifestation through practice. And you're talking about how you can measure that, right? That's the piece that I think for a lot of people, they're not even aware is going on. It's the bridge. I'm trying to bridge. I'm trying to bridge physical to etheric and to spiritual. And to imbue people with an approach to health that reflects that interconnection.
1: Yes, I hope so.
0: When somebody comes into your practice with an illness, what kind of illness, generally speaking, because I guess people come to you with all kinds of different things, right? But give me, let's just pull one out of a hat. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. Um, yes, people come to me for everything. Most people come in these days because they have low energy. So
0: these are chronic symptoms. Chronic. This is not like, oh. Limes. Let's talk. Let's say lime. Okay.
1: Limes. Mm-hmm. Lyme syn- lime syndrome, which is a conglomeration of different uh, symptoms. It started with the getting bit by a tick that had the limes spirochete. And so that spirochete is rolling around the bloodstream. And I can easily measure that there's a spirochete in the blood sample or not you know that's no big deal
0: the problem that i find I mean, uh, I mean many people actually have a challenge identifying for sure that they have lyme They I go know. through a whole period of like do i have it I had a test there's Maybe no I test Maybe I-
1: there is no test uh, on the standard lab test whether they have limes or not but they can see the antibodies of lyme which is the co-infections of bacteria from the limes or spirochete living in our blood. So if the limes or spirochete is living in the blood for a while, you're going to have a whole load of bacteria and very specific bacterias that can go into the joints and cause swelling, cause neurological symptoms and so forth. And very understandable, the doctors use antibiotics to get rid of the bacteria. However, that's not the root cause. The root cause is the spirochete, and the spirochetes do not go away with antibiotics. So it's really an interesting dilemma because there is no test that proves they're spirochetes, and they don't know how to treat
0: it. So then what do you do? I mean, first of all, you're saying you can find the spirochete in the test. Yes. All right. Which is something I guess conventional doctors—they
1: don't look for that. Don't look. They look for what's going on in the blood, and it's totally understandable. And some people do get better from that because their system is strong enough. However, there are lots of people who are not getting better. So, I use—you know—I am a—I use something called a milk cleanse. People are. It's a big buzzword these days is the milk cleanse or the goat milk cleanse. And um, I look at the spirochete as a parasite, a microscopic parasite. And I, in we have been able to use the milk cleanse to neutralize that parasite. So it's eight days on milk. Every two hours you drink a glass of milk with the worm formula. Now, where does this come from? In the biblical days, the healers used to put people in a tub of milk so that the worms would come out and drink it because worms and parasites love milk. So they're drinking, the the parasites come out, drink the milk, and then we give them herbs, which are vermifuge. Vermifuge are antiparasitic herbs. And we find that the there's no longer spirochetes in the blood. Now it's a matter of using natural methods to clean up the blood from bacteria. Usually underneath, there's heavy metals. Usually there's chemicals. Usually there's radiation. So on all fronts, deal with your heavy metals, your chemicals, and your radiation so you don't have an environment in your cells that a parasite likes, which is a low frequency.
0: So you were saying as a baseline, that you want to, you know, get rid of the heavy metals and the radiation, yes. and so you know, which all of us are, are carrying, exposed. Yeah. are exposed to we all are. the time. We are. How complicated is it to to clean up your body of that stuff so that you're more, you know, grounded and solid and resistant to these kinds of.
1: Well, it's ongoing because it's a challenge ongoingly. So I recommend uh, to clear radiation a sea salt and baking soda bath. 20 minutes in a bath with a pound of sea salt and a pound of baking soda. More than once? Regularly, once a week. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Put your candle on, do your meditation, put some nice music, and relax in your bath. What a wonderful thing. For 20 minutes? 20 minutes. You can put the timer on, Ken. No problem. (laughs) But we should... I have had patients who installed TVs in their bathrooms for this purpose, (laughs) but I don't. So that's for radiation, electromagnetic energy that's being disrupted by radiation, whether it's um,
0: Wi-Fi, whether it's smart meters, whatever it is. So what makes you understand that Salt and baking soda uh, can make this difference?
1: Well, I understand because I see the change and I see it come down. I mean, I can measure those things. Well,
0: before the, but let me tell you the, the science. Okay, yeah, please.
1: <laughs> the, the etheric science, by the way, radiation has a very high frequency. It's an agitated cell frequency. You know, where our electromagnetic uh, energy is being disturbed. So it's a high electrical frequency. Salt and baking soda, kitchen chemistry, are alkaline. So when you go into a bath, a strong sea salt and baking soda alkaline bath, it actually brings it back to neutralization of normalcy. It Nothing exists outside of its own environment. So the stronger energy will always survive, and you're sitting in a field of alkalinity of sea salt and baking soda, so it changes the frequencies of our cells.
0: When did you first try that on yourself? I'm curious. Oh, 35 years ago. <laughs> and how could you tell it was working?
1: Well, the first time I took a salt and soda bath, my, I felt all the long bones in my legs really in pain because the radiation was pouring out of the bones. So at, at a very physical level, I felt that. So don't be afraid. If you take a salt and soda bath, you start feeling ach- achy bones. Next morning, you'll feel much better. Okay, I like to do those baths before bed. But then there's the chemicals and the heavy metals we don't do salt and soda for those we do something a little more wild
0: a little more wild than that
1: yeah that's easy oh my no problem doing a salt bath okay so for chemicals i use apple cider vinegar
0: how much of that
1: yeah, you could do a pint, you could do a quart depends on how much you're exposed like for carbon monoxide or petrochemicals that we're walking on the streets of New York and all the cars and or on the in you're sitting in traffic and the freeways in LA yeah uh-huh. mm-hmm. so here's again the same kitchen chemistry Apple cider vinegar is an acid. Heavy metals and chemicals are alkaline, too alkaline. Not alkaline in a good way, alkaline of loss of of electricity at the cellular level. When we talk pH, when we talk acid alkaline, it's not the same as our food acid alkaline. Our cells are batteries. They're little tiny batteries that are flowing and giving us energy. We are ever-ready battery. <laughs> so we have this acid field now that we're in, apple cider vinegar an acid field, and now we're bringing up the vitality or bringing up the alkalinity to a normal flow of energy by doing the apple cider vinegar bath. That's a lovely bath. Then we have a very controversial bath, which I have written about, which is called the Clorox bath.
0: Uh, no, you don't want to put Clorox on your skin.
1: I'm not putting Clorox on my skin. I'm putting Clorox in the bath. But then you put your skin in the bath. Yeah, but it's only a half a cup in a full tub of water. Okay, okay. diluted. Hang on. What's Clorox?
0: I actually have no clue.
1: Okay. Shall I tell you? Please. Sodium chloride is what? Sodium chloride Is. is salt. Oh. The biggest ingredient comes from sodium chloride. There's a lot of salt in Clorox. Clorox is salt. Oh. But they put electrical probes to bring oxygen there. So now it becomes sodium hyperchlorate, and that's Clorox. So it's an oxygenating salt bath. Oh. Which is a high energy frequency, which will neutralize heavy metals. I've seen it with patients that they've had high heavy metals, and then they've redone their labs and low
0: heavy metals. Crazy.
1: So we do a Clorox bath
0: once a week for so sure. I, it's so funny because I always think that Clorox is something I don't want to use because well, a it can be caustic. Yeah, it can. It's I, caustic.
1: Uh-huh. It, you can't just pour it on. Um, but it's an oxygenating salt bath that neutralizes heavy metals, and I've used it for 40 years. And my teacher before me used it 50 years before that. So, when yeah, Dr. Hazel Parcells used Clorox baths, and there's always been a lot of controversy because people think Clorox is just another chemical. But the frequency of of uh, Clorox is not in the chemical field. It's in the high electrical field, which, yeah, I, I use a circle of 360 degrees. Full potential energy is at 360. Clorox reads at 360. It's not a chemical. You, we're not talking chlorine in your swimming pools here. That reads at a very low frequency. So when we're talking, this is a new science of measuring etheric energy, re- measuring electromagnetic energy, and it's really important for <laughs> for the future of our planet.
0: Well, it's a huge thing. I mean, I have had my share of experiences with energy healing modalities personally. I have many friends who have as well. And, you know, it always sort of stays on some level for me in this... Kind of, what should I, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, (laughs) well, it's definitely woo. I have no context for it outside of like, oh, well, just, you know, energy is information. Something is flowing here. People can, you know, some bodies, people can develop the capability to work with, tap into this field effectively, Mm -hmm. understand what's happening in the energetic level of a patient or a client, move things, inexplicably but beautifully. There's a spiritual connection that has to do with the healer's own practice and uh, essentially access to certain levels of spiritual information effectively and their ability to channel that on some level. But it's always somehow beyond the rational grasp is how I've encountered it in my own experience, right? Mm -hmm. And what's fascinating about what you've been doing is bringing that engagement with energetics into a more, shall I say, you know, scientifically framed or grounded um, uh, approach that enables you to actually even prescribe things based on their energetic components, right? Which is not something you often hear in the, I mean, at least I don't, Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm just not exposed to it enough, but that's not something I hear that often Mm -hmm. from the energetic perspective and understanding energy as a key piece of a wellness practice that involves okay, well, you know, you should be taking baths on certain dates or regularly in order to clear the certain kind of thing, reading the energy of a blood sample. Even in the East, you know, in China or in India, where this energetic understanding is still far more prevalent even among medical practitioners. I'm not aware of many practices coming from there to here that would work within a more conventional medical context, right? So your innovation here is fascinating to me. Do you have any doctors in your family? No. How'd you get into medicine? (gasps)
1: Being sick. Oh, yeah? (laughs) Yes. I had colitis uh, when I was a teenager from a fractured uh, home life, you know. And uh, so I found uh, peace in many ways. I was always looking for peace. And um, I found um, that uh, the peace of yoga, breathing techniques. Was my first healer, and then uh, being involved in building an ashram on Long Island back in the early '70s, I realized that everybody looked sick. You in know, the with, ashram, yeah, vegetarian <laughs> substitutes and bad food. My mother was Ta- my mother was Italian, so we always had good food at home, and but that was not enough for my emotional field. However, I realized that it was not enough just to meditate, that our body is a temple and we need to take care of it. In fact, that's cosmic law. We have a responsibility to take care of our bodies. And so I found my yoga in the kitchen. I ran the vegetarian restaurant at that time. And, you know, and the name of the restaurant was Santosha, which is nonviolence, you know, and so i realized that how we were going to gain our health was through food and um so i started uh, counseling my fellow yogis who were just paying attention to meditation and breathing alone and it was not enough so and then i i started people started coming to me and when I had my children, i I learned homeopathy because I didn't want to use drugs. And so I started i've I've always been a foodie, but in a good way, and um, always included lots of vegetables in my programs. And then i uh, I became a homeopath. i I started understanding homeop- homeopathy at a in a bigger way. Then I was asked to um, take over a holistic center in Long Island in 1980, and so... A holistic
0: center was essentially offering different kinds of... 14
1: different modalities, you know, and I was the one who said, you go
0: here, you go there. Wellness practices. Wellness practice, Which would include, like, examples would be...
1: Uh, acupuncture, colonics, herbal medicine, homeopathy, uh, food counseling, all of it.
0: So, this all is early on, actually, weaving yeah. all these together into a single yeah. kind of approach towards wellness that makes sense in the yeah. you know the contemporary uh, then, context
1: yeah uh, it was all visual like i said oh yeah you've got to change your diet um uh, this is going on and then i i experimented um, you say, it's experimented. All
0: visual. You say it was visual. you were looking at people and you were picking stuff up yes you were uh, seeing auras you were seeing energetics at yeah, that point seeing that you yes. were seeing that okay yes. yeah, don't yes. be shy yes. so i'm trying to understand this uh, this is an amazing thing so at a certain point this began this you must have had a moment where you went whoa I'm seeing this energy. This is interesting. I can tell if that guy's sick. I was or not. 11. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. What happened? Oh boy.
1: <laughs> oy, oy, oy. <laughs> 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 Here's this little Jewish girl from Brooklyn
0: Italian Jewish girl.
1: Italian, half Italian, half Jewish, who was kind of running away from or finding places to hide from an abusive household. And I used to go to the church, because I found solace in the church. Catholic church? Catholic church, and I was Jewish, Mm -hmm. because at that time. And uh, at that time. And I just used to sit in front of Mother Mary, and and then Mother Mary woke up. (laughs) Yeah. And said, don't cry anymore. I go, okay, this is temporary. Yeah, so... I started to be able to see energy fields at that time.
0: So, yeah. so you had a, there was a powerful opening, awakening.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, there's more to that story, but, you know, we won't talk about that here. I talk a little bit about, not that part, but the, my beginning years of how I was looking for that peace that I found in the convent. And I, yeah, so, well, and so I found I- that in yoga. I found that in the breathing, I found that in the practice of yoga. I did Raja Yoga, which was, you know, the nine limbs of yoga. So there was a lot of discipline, niyamas and yamas.
0: This is in your twenties. Early. Early twenties. Yeah. I bring this up because there's for for those of us who begin to work with it, the kinds of practices that you offer and you start to feel the difference in your body and you, then you start to notice your increased sensitivity to energy mm-hmm. and you start to pick it up in a kind of more visceral way over time. And then you start to get these sort of, this kind of crack in the sky moments where you go like, oh, wait a minute, this is connecting to these other aspects of spirituality, which I had not yet incorporated or been recognized in my life. And you start to, it, it shifts your whole, Global, your world perspective, and it can happen for most people, I think, in a kind of incremental way. Yes. But to open the door to this kind of work with the sort of certainty that you bring to it and the clarity of your approach being so grounded in your innate experience, it makes so much sense that you had a, a real powerful, insightful thing hit at it be, before the before you developed this whole approach to wellness. Yes. There was something you already were carrying that you knew that other people weren't seeing that gave you a sense of certainty around what is working and what's working even before you were able to show it in the lab. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, okay. yes. So yeah, I had, a—I I would say a destiny and a responsibility because I promised my teachers that I would carry a, carry through. And, um, you know, I spent 10 years with Yogi Bhajan, for instance, as his his integrative physician. And um, Yogi-ji taught me lots about reading energy also, because I would go to read his energy, and he'd show me things. Interesting. I could just watch his energy flow all through his body, and it was just an amazing experience to spend those years with him.
0: This is the man who brought kundalini yoga to America.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And he was in New Mexico? Yes. Which is so, why you moved there?
1: No. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I, moved, I moved there because Dr. Hazel Parcells was living in Albuquerque and I wasn't going to live in Albuquerque. I I, lived, I moved to Santa Fe. And Yogi G heard about me and asked for me to come and do an analysis on him. And I walked in the, the door. He was... Quite an amazing man, and um, very, very strong character, and very—you—he—you would be afraid. Most people were afraid of
0: him. I mean,
1: he had a a, like a growl almost. You know,
0: rough exterior.
1: Yes, quite. He was hardcore Kundalini yoga. I mean, he—he really brought the understanding of Kundalini yoga to the world. So when I walked in, he had all his entourage there. Everybody was dressed in white with white turbans. And I didn't have a white turban on, but I certainly wore white. I didn't want to stick out like a sore thumb. So I walked in, and he says, come, 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 come. He says, I've been waiting for you. You've been in my astrology. Okay, here, take my blood.
0: Okay, right there. Right there. Did you have a needle?
1: No, I did bring my stuff because I thought I was just going to see him alone, like I normally see a patient.
0: <laughs> but this was in the big room with a lot. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Then I had to go back and give him the report within the big room with all the people.
0: Oh, how did that go?
1: Well, it was very interesting. So I, so I, I came with my report, and I said, well, first I want to say that we have we have some kind of karma together. He goes. Never mind all that crap about karma. (laughs) He goes, just tell me what's going on. So I gave him my list of all the things that were going on with him and how we were going to get him to be able to travel back to India because his doctor said he could not travel anymore. And he looked at all his people and he looks at his, um, even the doctors that were there that were at his feet and he goes, see, you stupid idiots, one blood spot. And look what she has 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 given us. He says, now let's get going and get me back to India.
0: So what did you do for him? What did he do in terms of the practices? Well, I had suggested? to clear
1: heavy metals and radiate. I says, you're loaded with aluminum. He goes, how is that possible? I, he says, we don't use aluminum pots. Well, I says, can I look in your kitchen? So I looked in the kitchen, and I found a bunch of aluminum, big pots. Had those removed, he was furious. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Because aluminum has a drying effect. That's why they use it in deodorants, because it dries the perspiration. And so when we are ingesting aluminum, our organs are drying. Our arteries are drying. And you may think, oh, this is... No big deal. It's just a piece of aluminum foil here, but if we understand energy, there is a frequency on that aluminum, and that frequency will go into the food, and and it will also we will also ingest it. So I'm a big um, aluminum anti-aluminum person.
0: Clearly, yeah. so you um, prescribed the baths
1: for him. Uh, yeah, I did not prescribed the baths because he was not well enough to do the baths oh. because of I didn't want him to go into a hot bath. Um, and so, I used homeopathy. I became his n- number one homeopathic physician. And um, so, we can use homeopathics to neutralize too. We can use the homeopathic remedy, alumina 30X, and it will neutralize aluminum. But I to take aluminum every day. It's a lot easier to just take a bath once a week.
2: Okay. And you enough- may get other.
1: You may get other um, uh, benefits from taking a bath and stopping your life for a minute. Yeah. So we neutralized the heavy metals. He had parasites also. I had to neutralize that. I did a lot of radionic work, which is long distance healing for him. Um, and we got him back up and he went to India three more times.
0: It's a long trip. Before,
1: before he passed. Yeah. Yeah. He was supposed to, according to his astrology pass just around the time I met him. So he always was, he was very grateful to have those extra years to bypass that. You know, being a Maha Tantra master, um, they take on a lot. And so... He, his health really was suffering at the time. He had a, I mean, it's known he had a triple bypass when I met
0: him, before I met him. I would think that most healers, one way or another, take on a lot, one way or another. Mm
1: -hmm. I would think. No.
0: No? I hope not. Well, that's why I was wondering, (laughs) because, you know, if you're constantly putting yourself in the. No, but it's not,
1: it's cosmic law. It's you taking responsibility for your health. I am only the teacher. Physician means teacher. Teach you how to live. This book is about teaching you how to live and survive in our world today, and connect you to the
0: to your spiritual path. So, all of this is in the book. The bads yes. in the book. Yes. Yeah. And the approach to that is in the book, yes. and the and the and the other even kinds the milk cleanse. The milk cleanse is in the book.
1: It is in the book.
0: Does it matter goat it or about, cow? Does it make a difference? I like goat. I love goat. Why goat over cow?
1: Well, goats is closer to mother's milk. However, if you can't get goat, get the best organic cow milk you can get. It's the milk the worms love. The parasites love milk. They just come out and play.
0: Crazy.
1: I know. It is the most peaceful cleanse I've ever done. You know, you just feel like you're a baby again. It's a rebirth. It's a reboot. I have a lot of my um, um, sort of celebrities who say, Dr. Linda, can I do the milk lens? I'm gonna have a, you know, Vogue shoot, you know, cover of Vogue, please, please let me do the milk lens.
0: I mean, they can do it on their own. They can. Yeah, but they, have to, they come, come to you. I send them, yeah.
1: <laughs> Is it okay? I go, yes,
0: it's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have me to do a milk lens. So you have been developing this as a practice for decades? Yeah, for 38 years. And you've been part of a growing network of healers and doctors who are appreciating more and more the energetics of health. Yes. And the importance of bringing in these other lineages, these other modalities outside of the conventional Western medical frame in order to... There's nothing shifted.
1: wrong with uh, seeing a Western medical doctor. I like to get their uh, their observation and then I love to see them say, Wow, it's gone. you know, I love to collaborate. I mean, there's more and more doctors today that are looking at the energetics.
0: I work with a lot of physicians, so do you find the physicians conven- more conventional physicians are coming to you asking for my training, entry, yeah, like yeah. to understand. Mm-hmm. This, are you? How has that developed for you? Are you surprised by the amount of interest more recently? Or are you seeing less than you'd like? I mean, where is the how? Where, where is that on the on the scale towards a shift in the broader paradigm? Where do you feel we're at right now?
1: Depends on who, who's looking at it. Um we know that pollution is causing illness. We know that poor quality food is causing illness. We There are still some who says doesn't matter whether it's organic or conventionally grown. I do not agree with that., uh, but more and more doctors will go will say, you know, well, if it's working, that's fine. They tell their patients who are actually my patients, they well keep doing what you're doing because it's working. So I'm finding more of an openness for sure. Um, I'm finding I'm finding that people really want to know, but more so than anything, this book is about self-help. You know, if you do every, you know, it's focused on a liver cleanse because the liver is so important. You know, our liver is our biggest detoxification organ we have. Uh, uh, Well, the the skin, we can call it detoxifying or eliminative organs of releasing toxins, but the liver metabolizes carbohydrates, proteins, fats, and stores vitamins and minerals. It also filters heavy metals, chemicals, and radiation. And our toxic thoughts and feelings. Really? The liver is one of our most esoteric organs we have.
0: How does the liver
1: do that piece of it? It has, that's the nature of it. It's the solar plexus. It's in the solar plexus chakra. You know, and that's the only way we're going to move higher is by detoxing, detoxifying and processing. You know, um... um Shakespeare, in Shakespeare, he said, the gall of him. You know, we need to clean our gallbladder out because there's anger there in many people. So when we are doing these cleanses, when we are cleaning out your our liver, we change our thoughts, we change our feelings. We say, I'm doing this because I want purity. It's called sattva, you know. It's the sattvic nature that we are best at. We are at our best when we are sattvic. Not too active, not too tamasic, which is slow, lazy, or not overly New York style, but just being in the middle, just really walking the middle road as the Buddhist as the Buddha told us to do.
0: So this is the Ayurvedic way of looking at
1: It's all the same. Mm-hmm. There is no difference between Ayurveda or Buddhism or Christianity, according to Richard Rohr. Do you know Richard Rohr?
0: I do a bit, but maybe you could you could uh, let us all. Share he's a that.
1: Trappist monk in uh, in Albuquerque who talks about energy. In fact, his c- quote is my first quote in the book. Um. And he was also real good friends with Father Thomas Keating, who is contemplative prayer. And Thomas, uh, Father Thomas was my patient until he was until he just passed last year at ninety six. And he taught me, because everybody teaches me, all my patients teach me. And um, Th- Father Thomas said to me, "I says, you know." Father, I there are times that cannot sit down in meditation. I just am so busy. He goes, As soon as you think of doing it, God appears.
0: That's beautiful.
1: So he says he's with you. Then
0: I did it right now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic, right? And then so then I used his simple meditation because a lot of the people who'll be reading this this book, maybe doesn't have a practice. And so I, I teach in the book, I use Father Thomas Keating's meditation because he said it's really important to get down on the floor and sit on your pillow and meditate. So in, in contemplative prayer, you know, he did uh, silent retreats up in Snowmass, Colorado. And um, so the meditation is so simple you get down on the floor. Okay, God is here. You imagine a river and the river's flowing. So you're just quietly look at the river, feel the river. All of a sudden a thought comes in because that's what happens in meditation. Don't think you're having a bad meditation just because the thought comes in. You know, it's like the Zen master saying, don't think about the monkeys." And about the monkey on your back. And you know the whole way you're thinking about the damn monkey on your back. And so um, you're it there and a thought comes in. Look at the thought. And then on the side of the river, you have a little boat. And take that thought and put it on the boat, in the boat. Let it go down the river. Get back to the river. I love that. And it it works. It's one of the most peaceful meditations without any kind of... Stipulation of a religion or anything. It's just you in control of learning about yourself and your thoughts and being with yourself.
0: Is there a particular breath aspect to it? Following a breath? Can you have any sort of.
1: No, but there are other. But I do talk about breath yeah. <laughs> in another part. But no, you just simple breath and focus on the river. Have that peace. You're on the riverbank. So we were on the riverbank,
0: right, Ken? Apparently so. (laughs) So we're on the riverbank. I was thinking about the conference that you organize every year. Yes. Because there is this growing community of practitioners, wellness practitioners, who are essentially helping to develop this shift in the paradigm, and you bring them together every year at a conference where they can connect with each other and can connect with a community of practitioners.
1: Like-minded
0: practitioners Mm -hmm. and And spiritual leaders. And spiritual leaders. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Well, my my organization, nonprofit, is called uh, Global Foundation for Integrative Medicine, GFIM. And the website is gfimusa.com because we're trying to bring it to other countries. We've already developed it in Mexico. So there's Gfim Mexico, but there's Gfim USA because that's what I'm doing here. And um, I have, for the last 30 years, gathered people around to, of uh, practitioners and so forth. And we um, share for this. For this uh, conscious symposium, which is what it's called, um, what we're doing is asking the question what is the connection of health and spirituality? So part of that, of course, is for me, you better connect with the etheric fields because the etheric field is where it all comes from. That's life force. But for the so we're having this conference, which, by the way, it's been insane uh, launching a book and launching a conference again and still having full-time practice. So the conference is April 27th at Currents at Chelsea Piers. You can, uh, tickets are available at gfimusa.com. And who are the kinds of people who are showing yeah, up? Who's, who's going to mm, be there? Well, opening ceremony is my friend Robert Mirabal from the Taos Pueblo, who lives without electricity in the Pueblo and is a Grammy Award-winning writer, a flute player, writer. So, And he is what he calls himself is a sky shaman. So he will come in and tell stories about the corn and about the sky and... Play his flutes. He's got many flutes, so he'll do a performance uh, at the beginning, and then we have our keynote speaker is uh, uh, Dick Richard Brown, the psychiatrist, and with his wife, uh, Dr. Gerberg, and they they clear trauma through breath. He's quite an established, or they are quite established in being being able to clear trauma in large groups. So he will be doing that in our conference. We have Guru Daram, who is a Kundalini um, uh, yogic yogi therapist, acupuncturist. Then the one of the world, I would say, renowned acupuncturist is uh, Lonnie Jarrett who's written books on destiny. Um, Then we have um, the one and only Dietrich Klinghart, because he knows everything there is about pollution and autism and limes, and um, he'll be telling us about the nanoparticles of aluminum in our air. Yeah, so, and he recommends Clorox baths. (laughs) Awesome. And then there is, um, who else is there? Um, Terry Tempest Williams. Do you know who she is? She's a writer. Fantastic writer. Very um, successful writer. She's an environmentalist. Terry has single-handedly gone up against the government and um, tries to stop uh, pipelines in... National parks, and she's just quite amazing. She teaches at Cambridge and lives the rest of the time in Utah, in the mag- magical lands of canyon lands of Utah. <clears throat> and um, so, and me, yep. clearly, I, I'm good. Well, I don't usually lecture at my conferences. You don't not for years, but now uh, because the book has come out, I'm feeling as though I need to just share the information. I try to gather the people. I've never really promoted myself, so this is really weird for me. (laughs) (laughs) So doing these podcasts and videos and TV shows and
0: radio shows, I... I, I, No, but it's a great thing (laughs) to be able to have you step out and share what you've been doing because you can present it now in such a in, in in an integrative way you've woven all these different things together into a coherent uh, conversation where you you can really talk about the energetics of health through your experience
1: yeah interesting you use the word coherent because your cells are either coherent or incoherent and that is because of pollution So I use that terminology of coherency at the cellular level.
0: And when you say this, when you talk about pollution and the environment and how this is affecting us, I can't help but think about how it's also affecting all the other animals
2: and plants
0: on the planet. We're losing many species. Dramatically. This um, is the the reason. That the number of animals on the planet has dropped by what? half in the last 50 years, Mm -hmm. like some staggering number. It's going to
1: go bigger because of the 5G coming in and probably 6G and 7G and 8G. I'm sure it's all going to happen. You know, when they put satellites in our atmosphere and, and we can be on Mount Everest and say hello to your mother on the phone.
0: It's, it, the satellite itself is that
1: powerful. It's it's military
0: equipment. Yes. And it's really affecting the the health of, of our environment of our environment so dramatically.
1: It really is. But you know that's going to take years for scientists to prove. So while they are proving it because it will come as knowledge, hopefully before we don't destroy everything, understand that the there are tools in harmonic healing book
0: that will help you survive these times. The title is harmonic healing. Yes. Can you tell me, what does that mean to you when you say harmonic healing? Um, uh, it's healing through
1: vibrations in in a harmonic vibration of sound and light. Uh, you know, my company, my that my institute, is called Light Harmonics, and I started the company in 1987. So. Um, it was fitting for us to do harmonic healing as the title.
0: So all energetics have a frequency. Anything with a life force has a frequency. And the frequencies have a harmonic element to them. Yes. And can you tell when you measure when something is essentially in a harmonic vibration as opposed to a non-harmonic? For sure. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Well, you, I, you can measure the incoherency at a cellular level through the blood sample with a pendulum. It'll go negative. The, po- the frequency will go to the negative field towards zero,
0: which is towards death. It's that quick to pick up. It's that quick. So that would be something that a lot of people could test. And can do. And can do.
1: We did a pendulum class at uh, Alchemist's Kitchen.
0: That's right. Yeah. I know it was awesome.
1: Then we, and we also talked about the endocrine system and the energetics of the etheric field through the endocrine system from the chakras. We had a big following on that, oh, Ken. Oh yeah, totally. No, this is
0: this, I remember this it well. But this is
1: like this is kind of from the cat's meow. This is the overview of it all, and we're having a book launch. Yay! Yes, my first book launch at Alchemist Kitchen. On April twenty fourth at eight o'clock, and included in the fee is a book.
0: Perfect. Well, people should come see you there. And Lou, of course, is doing the Q and A. Lou Sagar, our partner yep. in Alchemist Kitchen, Prime. runs the Alchemist Kitchen. Yeah. Um, he will be interviewing you, talking with you about your book there at the Alchemist Kitchen on the twenty fourth.
1: Yes, which is part of the Evolver Network for it's sure. All part of the same. We're thing. all one on planet Earth for now.
0: <laughs> We've been other places before. Well, we We're going to be other places later on. We're yeah. here now.
1: Why not we enjoy each moment and give positive energy and light energy to everyone we come into contact with?
0: Why don't we? Linda, thank you.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So great to have you here with us. Where can people find you and find out more about your book?
1: Um, it's everywhere. Alchemist Kitchen will be carrying the book.
0: You got a website?
1: Uh well, you can just go to lightharmonics.com. We have it all there. L I G H T H A R M O N I C S lightharmonics.com. That's me. That's in, that's the institute and we will be posting big classes in the fall in New York City.
0: Awesome. Thanks a lot. I want to thank Linda Lancaster for being with us on the show today, and I want to thank you, too, for being with us. You can find out more about Linda at her website, lightharmonics.com. I also want to thank our producer, Jose Alfaro and the ACast team. Our theme music is Measure by Measure by Paul D. Miller, a.k.a. DJ Spooky, from his album The Secret Song, and our interstitial music are tracks by The Human Experience. Sunu from the album Soul Visions with Rising Appalachia, and here for a moment on the album Gone, Gone Beyond. Please check him out. That's all for now. We'll be back next week. Find the others.
2: Have ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row?